You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello, welcome back. And uh, this week, Nick is joining me again, and we have had a very wet weekend. And as I was telling Nick before uh, before I uh, started the show... Um, where I live, there is one, basically one road out to the next village. And over the last year, despite all the flooding, that road has never had any more than large puddles on it. And today, when I uh, set off to take my boy to his drumming lesson, a good quarter of a mile of, of it was under about nine inches of water. So uh, <laughs> that shows you how much rain we had last night. Oh, and how sodden the ground is. There we are. So yeah, you're um, gonna have to after investing some scuba gear, gear, I think, by the sounds oh. of it. Hovercraft, I think, is what's required. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. definitely. So uh, we were under a yellow uh, weather warning, which. Um, you know, is uh, actually not that uncommon at the minute. In fact, you know, we have so many yellow weather warnings, I'm concerned that people will actually stop paying any attention to them because... Uh, well, and you never you never know, do you? Because, I mean, we were under the same yellow warning, but it just sort of drizzled a bit here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so exactly. you never know what it's going to be like. You just don't, do you? This is the problem. There we are. So, um... Obviously, we weren't here last week um, because I was invited out for a late Sunday lunch, which was rather nice. So uh, there you go. Sorry, listeners, but uh, a late Sunday lunch, uh, you know, not on my <laughs> not on my dime, as the Americans would say, was uh, irresistible. Bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> don't, I don't blame you. There we go. So, um, anyway, we've got quite a few stories uh, here. Um, Obviously, we've got some stuff about the DMA again and some stuff about the Vision Pro again and a few other bits and pieces. So we'll just uh, we'll just kick off, I think. Um, Although Nick has got something to talk to us a bit later about uh, charging his car. So we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, so starting off with the Apple stories, I guess. Um, apparently, Apple's iMessage has avoided the EU Digital Markets Act regulation because uh, in Europe, iMessage does not constitute a large enough market or a large enough segment of the market to be considered a core technology service or uh, gatekeeper, which means uh, it is not subjected to various onerous uh, requirements like opening up to other services. Um, yeah, that makes an awful lot of sense, doesn't it? Because 
I mean, I don't use iMessage that much, in all honesty. No, uh, I... most of my most of my communications are over WhatsApp. So yeah, I'm gonna say a lot of people use WhatsApp. I also use WhatsApp because um, not as my main method of communication, I must admit. But if I, you know, if I want to send pictures to or receive pictures from people with Android phones, iMessage uh, won't let me send them. Or if I do, it charges me 50p because my ISP insists that pictures are somehow different from text data. And yeah. um, if they try and send me pictures, either they don't come or they're mangled beyond use. So, um, I think I think the biggie with WhatsApp really is the fact that you can form all these groups and that, that each group can be independent of all the other groups. So, I mean, I must have about 12 different groups to do with church. You know, there's a stewards group and there's a circuit stewards group. and a... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it yeah. just means... It just means you can get information out to, you know, a specific group of people very easily. Yes, you know, um, I, you know, despite the fact that technically uh, WhatsApp, I think, belongs to Facebook. Does it belong to Facebook? It does. Yeah, it Meta, does. I believe. Um, they, uh, you know, they do a pretty good job. They seem to have left um, WhatsApp well alone. Um WhatsApp, however, is apparently subject to DMA um, provisions because it is considered a digital gatekeeper. Um, I'd agree with that, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> that'll be interesting. That will be interesting, which means they are going to have to um, allow interaction with various other services like Telegram and Lord knows who else. Um, and Apple... For the moment, at the moment, uh, it's not considered widely used by businesses. Um, DMA is still forcing Apple to make major changes to its app ecosystem. And there will be more about that uh, later. We'll talk about that a bit mm. more later. But uh, iMessage is basically um, unscathed. So those of us like me who use iMessage quite a lot will not have to worry too much. At least for now. Um, and by the way, um, I will just mention if uh, to the listeners that I am recording this via my built-in microphone on my MacBook Air because my trusty Logitech microphone has uh, failed to show up. Whether that's a failure in the Logitech uh, mic itself or something to do with the latest beta or something that uh, um, audio hijack has uh, yet to deal with due to some change in the beta i don't know but uh, it showed up once or twice and then went red and gave me a huge error message about uh, failure to start and some cryptic eight digit code so um, i, I shall research only... that later <laughs> I think the only difference I can hear from my end is that you're a little bit louder for me, uh, which is good because sometimes you're a little bit quiet and um, and I can hear a lot of background noise. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you can probably hear more yeah. background noise, Yeah, but um, hopefully not too well, much. I, I, no, no, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not that intrusive at all. So um, 
I shall have to investigate that, but there you go. We shall uh, see what happens. So that was that one. Um, I've, so I've got two links there, one from Mac Rumors, um, and the second one is Apple's iMessage dodges tough new EU regulations and Google is not happy about it, according to Tech Radar. And uh, I'm probably not yeah, surprised to, to about it. On Google, I'd say. <laughs> What's Bad he got to do with Google? Um, Apple and Microsoft have welcomed the announcements from the European Commission. Um, and ducking regulation means avoiding headaches around compliance with the DMA. And these apps can carry on with no interference. Which is uh, the reason Microsoft I mentioned is because Bing has not been considered. Uh, Bing and Edge are not subject to tough new regulations because, again, they are not considered a large enough market to be considered to be core technology platforms or gatekeepers. So there you go. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I suppose most people are still using Microsoft Explorer. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think Explorer is dead, long dead. Um, I just think that no, Google Chrome is the dominant platform by a long way. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know there are people who have, you know, switched over to Edge, which is, you know, originally was a bit, well, it was a bit clunky, but I, I believe it's improved. Whenever I have been forced to use it, I have not found it to be, um, you know, horrible. Um, no, and I, no. I believe it runs on chromium anyway so it's a chrome based browser now i believe um right okay so that makes an awful lot of sense doesn't it oh. yeah but um it is not it is not considered a large enough player to be regulated so microsoft uh have escaped you know escaped being ordered what to do with Bing and uh, Edge, much to their... It's one of those, isn't it? They're pleased that they're not in the lead. <laughs> it's actually, not being at the top of the pile is actually uh, a bonus for once. <laughs> there you go. Um, yes, which is weird, isn't it? <laughs> That's very strange, but there you go. Yeah, it is very strange. Uh, Donnie sent us this one in, um, which is just quite interesting. Uh, from Mac Rumors, Apple's latest AI tool can animate an image based on your description on Mac Rumors. Um, and it says here, Apple's made another addition to its growing AI repertoire with the creation of a tool which leverages large language models to animate static images based on a user's text prompts. Um, so I've I've watched um I've been watching uh I've seen one or two news reports about an, another new one. Oh, and I can't remember what it's called now. It starts with an S. Sarah says something like that. Okay. Um, which is very impressive looking. It actually creates video, and um, and though it's not perfect, none of these things are. They are quite amazing, really. The quality of unless you're looking very closely, it's hard to tell. It's not proper user-generated content it's uh, it's quite amazing hmm. and i can't um, remember what it's called so i'm sure someone will say in the slack room i'm sure they will <laughs> uh this one is called uh keyframer um and apple uh published a paper called keyframer empowering animation using 
large language models. Um, in creation of an um, animation, the user uploads an SVG image, say of a space rocket, then types in a prompt like, generate three designs where the sky fades to different colours and the stars twinkle. Uh, and Keyframe will generate CSS code for this animation and the user can then refine it with by editing the code directly or by entering additional text prompts. Mm. Um, hmm. According to the paper, the research was informed by interviews with the professional animation designers and engineers. Okay. Um. It's amazing, isn't it? I don't know how much longer we're going to be watching actually content Actually made by people. No. That's the way it's going. Um, what's it? The information and analyst Jeff Poo have said that Apple will have some kind of generative AI feature available for the iPhone and iPad later in the year when iOS 18 is released. Uh, the next version of Apple software is said to include an enhanced version of Siri with chat GPT-like generative AI functionality. Um, and has the potential to be the biggest update in the third phone's history, uh, according to Well, it can Mark... certainly only get better from my perspective. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, according to Mark Gurman. So uh, there you go. Donnie sent that one, but it's um, it's an interesting interesting concept where they, they animate a static image by, uh, you know, telling, telling it what you want. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, and then, of course, we move on. Uh, of course, we do on to what's going on in the Vision Pro. Um, there's been a lot of talk that you know large numbers of people were sending back their Vision Pro headsets uh, at the end of the 14 day period. Although um, I've read other ones um, saying, you know, really are they really? Um, Apparently, Apple Vision Pro owners are announcing they're returning their headsets because they're disappointed by the experience offered by the 3500 Mixed Reality Gadget. Um, this is on Tech Radar. Um, if you're on the fence, the reasons people give for returning it could help you decide if the headset is right for you. Uh, keep your eye on the refurbished section, blah, blah, blah. Um Maybe they had no intention of buying it in the first yes, place. Yes, I, I think uh, <laughs> I think this is one that's of the, a good excuse, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest things. Okay, so they they suggest the three main uh, main reasons: end of a trial era. There are individual reasons people will look to return the Vision Pro, and we'll get to those. But the main reason. Uh, that you'll see social media post after social media post is because of the Apple's generous returns policy. Um, yeah, you know. I tried it out and one, and then I'd had enough of it, so I sent it back. <laughs> well, there's that, and I think there's also, to be honest, that, that it's quite possible. If you've got the money and you want to just play with it, you know, Apple yeah. will not stop Absolutely. you Give it a go. from yeah. simply... Ordering one, yes, you've got to lay out the cash, but you've got 14 days to use it and send it back and uh, have your, all your cash back. So, you know, you could effectively, if you're a YouTuber or whatever and not one of these who, you know, is monetized for thousands of dollars, you could buy one, talk about it, make videos with and it, send it back. and send it back. Yep. 
Um, comfort is king. Um, some people's problems come down to comfort. Uh, well, that's, um, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. If you don't like, if you don't like VR headsets, you're unlikely to like this one. Um, how, how how long did people talk about uh, earbuds that fell out of their ears? I mean, thing. yeah, exactly. probably probably about ten years. <laughs> exactly. Um, on top of complaints, it's too heavy. Some people have said it can cause motion sickness. Well, all of the people I've listened to, all the podcasts I've listened to, where um, people have tried it, you know, the ATP boys and such like, that actually most of them have said that it, you know. Some of them who say I get terribly, you know, motion sick, have yeah. said about how non-motion sickness inducing it is, um, because of how static the things remain in real space. You know, if you right. stick, if you yeah. stick a window over the top of your desk or on top of your, um, you know, your Mac screen, it stays there. Um, and you can leave the room and come back and it's still there and it doesn't move. Um, apparently, you know, most people have, do not seem to have suffered from that. Um, heaviness, again, most of the people I've listened to say that it's perfectly, you know, perfectly bearable for the sort of two to four hours you're likely to want to wear it at a time. Um, yeah, I think most of the people I've watched have said that... Um... When they they have worn it for quite a long time, they use the other band so that it, the weight is taken over the top of their heads a bit. Yes, yes. Um, which is, you know, understandable. But, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It is heavier than the other headsets around. Yes. Um, because of because of the way they've made it. Um, but all, that, all these reasons for sending it back up, you know, I think they're all a bit dubious myself. Yep. <laughs> I think I think they're much more likely to be just returning them because they've tried them and now they want to return them and yes. get their money back. And um Yeah. I, I think the biggest reason is people who had no real intention of actually keeping hold of it whatsoever. Um, and I'm sure they have exactly the same things with all their other new devices as well when they came out. I mean people do that, don't they? Oh, they do. They'll, they'll buy buy stuff and try it and send it back. I mean, in all honesty, in some ways, I do it in a similar way. I mean, I don't do it purposefully to try and um, just get a freebie. But when I, when I was doing all the stuff down at church and I wasn't sure what I was doing, I was often buying stuff that wasn't quite the right thing. And, the you know, the wonder of Amazon is being able to just return the stuff and get your money yeah, back. Yeah, it like, oh, um, wasn't what I wanted, yeah. Yeah. So... There we go. So um, I also suspect, to some extent, that there's the people who are on, going to go on social media and shout about how they sent it back are people who like to make a fuss. Um, probably. There's yeah. probably a lot more people who have bought it, tried it, and are happy with it for what they've spent and, you know... It's the usual thing, isn't it? Social media are full of people shouting, and you'll hear a lot yeah. more people shouting about it, things. It'll that... always be it'll always be those who actually say, "Say, you know, is this all it does?" Yeah. <laughs> and you, all you've got to say to them is, well, "That's all Apple said it was going to do to start with." <laughs> so exactly. Live with it. 
Um, I mean, the ATP boys were very interesting. They had a long discussion talking about, um, as they, all their discussions are long and in great depth. Um, yeah. But um, I can't remember. I think it was John and Casey, but obviously they were talking about um, using spatial computing and projecting your Mac into the virtual space and how does that pan out. And uh, I think John had some negative comments, although he was not like it's useless, and but he said he wasn't happy with it for his own purposes. Right. And uh, I think it was Casey was saying that he'd gone to the library and used it there. And as he said, my eyes aren't perfect. So some of the things that John is complaining about, like lack of resolution or whatever, maybe it's the fact that my eyes are slightly soft focus anyway, but uh, it worked fine for me, you know, and I would be quite happy to spend four to six hours working, you know, on multiple screens in a virtual space. So... Make of that what you will, um, and if you want. Yeah, to most to... of the most of the reviews I've seen, um, and I haven't watched loads, but the ones I have seen have said that if there was a killer feature, it it it's that it's being able to use your Mac in in a, on a big screen mm. in front of you um, with with maybe your iPad off to one side and you know that kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah no. I'm not. I'm, I I have mixed feelings about it as a device. Um, Will it be a big success? I don't know. No, I, I don't know. Either. Will it become? A, will it become a big success? I, I think I'd got to say. I'll have to say maybe. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's a. It's a definite maybe. as one of those, isn't yeah. it? Um, and then our inverse have um, an article which is three ways Apple Vision Pro owners are modding their headsets for extra comfort. Um, and these range from, you know, printing uh, their own 3D printed clips to uh, modify the fit. Um, there's one here where uh, a guy has basically made what look like cup hooks, which clip onto the brim of his uh, baseball cap to uh, allow him to get extra a bit of extra <laughs> oh, support. Yes. Um, That's clever. Some people are inventive, aren't they? No. Well, you know, if you don't mind wearing a baseball cap um, underneath your Vision Pro, I, I could see that helping a little bit if you if you feel it presses down on your nose too much or whatever. Um, some people are uh, messing around with, you know, extra um, extra bits here. There's one here. Uh, instead of 3B, 3D printing a custom accessory, you could tie a Velcro strap to the Vision Pro's arms and attach it to the brim of your hat. Um, or, you know, a large rubber band. Um, and also here, obviously, one of the other things that people are doing, which doesn't surprise me, is attaching the battery pack to the back of the strap. Um, which obviously technically... Okay, so you've got a bit of weight at the back, yeah. Yeah, that which, makes sense. you know, it does actually add more weight. But as my boy, I, I think you might remember me saying that my boy purchased an, uh, I don't know what it's called, the deluxe strap or something for his um, for his Quest, which allows yeah. him to add a, a second battery. And it's on the back of the strap, which, as he said, it makes it heavier overall, but it balances the weight better on the top of your head. 
So that's what matters most, isn't it? It's 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 sitting comfortably and not making you tilt forward or tilt back or exactly. It, yeah, it's it's being it's sitting comfortably. So yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, the truth is, what we need is something even lighter. Um, of course, and I'm sure that will come in time. So um, in the meantime, we'll just carry on watching. And then, if we go interestingly, a bit, uh, <laughs> if you go a little bit further down that page, there's. Uh, it says here, um, custom headbands and helmets. And then there's one here. He's got a, what looks like a military helmet and uh, has modded his Vision Pro to flip up and down like a visor, um, much like they, <laughs> much like, like special ops guys have their night vision goggles or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very clever. Very good. So there you go. Um unsurprisingly there are plenty of people who apparently think it's you know it's wonderful enough that they're prepared to break out their modding skills to make it you know more comfortable or uh more and if you think that's ridiculous what about the next story (laughs) (laughs) oh yes here we go well we've already had stories about people swimming in it skiing in it driving their tesla in it all the other silly stories somebody used an apple vision pro while cycling and it went as well as you might expect um it's dangerous outside but there's a silver lining um DC Rainmaker, who is a sports technology reviewer, tested out cycling with an Apple Vision Pro, um, and the video provides a lot of information if you're looking to use the headset for exercise. Um, Taking the headset outside proves, as you'd expect, to be dangerous. Um, And one of the comments they make in here is, Apple Vision Pro is a spatial computing headset, which means it holds your screens in a real space in your world, which you can walk away from and come back to. This means that moving while moving, using it can be problematic because it is designed to be used in enclosed space. When he took the headset outside on his bike, he realised there was no way to bring the digital screens with him. Uh, Well, he's wrong, actually. That's not true. Um, No, there's there's a mode called travel mode which is there for a perfectly good reason, because otherwise you couldn't use it on a train or an aeroplane. Oh, yes, of course. Because the screens would stay on the runway as you took off. Um, hilariously, I, I, one, of the, one of the ATP boys described trying to uh, use it on the train and hadn't figured out how the travel mode worked properly. Um, and... It stopped at the station and uh, he put, you know, he put his screen out in front of him and then the train pulled out of the station (laughs) and he said it was quite disconcerting to watch effectively my screen travelling down the carriage, (laughs) locked to wherever it was in the station as I pulled away from it. You're chasing after it down the gangway. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So there you go. Oh, I like it. It does say um, it does say the silver lining on this article is uh, it, um, is actually very positive about the experience of using the Apple Vision Pro while cycling indoor peloton bike. Yes, liking the headset to a giant a giant ass TV. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So unsurprisingly, but you know, um, and I believe I 
somebody else has mentioned people using it on Peloton and whatnot to have, for example, a virtual track which they cycle rather than being, you know, just in yeah. their in their um in their utility room or gym, you know. No, you I can, can imagine be... that being a really I can imagine that being a really good experience, so particularly if you could, particularly, I mean, you can't do this yet, but if you could really take the outdoors with you, as it were, so that you can look around you as if you were outside, yes. that would be really cool. Actually, make talked... cycling that much more interesting. <laughs> was it many, many years ago? Well, cycling ago, indoors, that much more interesting. Many years ago, I remember watching a, an article or a, a short documentary about, um, about a hospital uh, like a physiotherapy hospital, where yeah, they'd done something similar. Obviously, no doubt, at much more expensive, much more complicated. But to make um, you know cycling on a fixed bicycle indoors more interesting for people who are recovering from various you know injuries, that basically yeah. that, that they would cycle along on the on the bicycle, the exercise bicycle, and wearing a set of VR goggles could do various routes, like along the mountain path or along the coast coast path or whatnot, and look around them as they went. And um, it had been rigged up so that they could, you know, as they went faster, they would travel faster and so on. So, you know, that's not, not the first time somebody's tried that. So... Um, no, no. You know, and I, I can imagine the same thing if you're into running and you're running on a treadmill, you know, if you can put up with the extra weight on your head. Um, yes. You know, running through well, woodland can, might be more someone interesting. Can print, print it so it attaches to your treadmill and yeah. takes the weight. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Um, so, yes. But uh, that's not true that you can't take the screens with you, although trying to look at screens while cycling outside whilst wearing a 3,500... It's probably not a good idea. Probably yeah. not a good idea. And um, apparently, you know, the, the, the angle of vision is only 100 degrees, which obviously is much less than your normal field of view. So probably also not a great idea. I think he mentions in here at some point the screens, the pass-through screens going black, probably because they couldn't keep up with the, uh, you know, um, couldn't keep the, up. Yeah, the speed they needed to update. <laughs> yeah. So there we are. Um, some changes coming due to the DMA and um, goodbye to web apps in 17.4 which removes a useful feature on iPhones if you're in the EU. Um, this is the ability to take a website on your iOS device and drag it onto the desktop um, to make, you know, build its own little standalone app. Um, apparently, that's no longer available on iOS 17.4 uh, on the iPhone for the EU which I believe they say has something to do with the complexity of making this available via alternative browsers since the EU has forced them to allow alternative browsers uh, right, not okay. using WebKit. That's a shame. It's a, it's a little bit of a shame. 
Um, I, I don't. I mean, uh, most things have an app now, don't they? Mm. So it's not as big a problem as it would have been at one time. But I have used web apps from time to time when I haven't been out, whether there hasn't been an app available. Um, yeah, okay. I, I don't think it's going to affect many people, in all honesty. No, probably not. But um, as it says here, while there probably aren't huge numbers of people who will use web apps in iOS, the outright removal of the feature for EU users will likely sting a bit. Uh, and unlikely it just shows to you, doesn't it, that there are... An, yeah, it just shows you there are always unintended consequences to some of this stuff. Um, exactly. Um, Apple's statement outlines the problems which could arise from web apps making use of third-party browser engines, um, saying without WebKit security practices, malicious web apps could read data from other web apps and capture... The permissions to gain access to a user's camera, microphone, location, etc., without consent. Um, yeah, Apple, says Apple said, claims that fixing the problem would require a disproportionate amount of effort compared to the web app's usage on iOS. But yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so there you go. If you're in the EU, um, unfortunately, goodbye to web apps for you, allegedly. Um, mm. Um, also, there's been a lot of talk, Nick, about, you know, uh, Apple announced they were going to bring RCS to the iPhone this year um, to allow some amount of interoperability with Android. Um, a lot of people said that they did this in order to try and ward off some of the regulatory pressure from the EU. But Mr. Gruber says Apple was effectively forced by China to bring RCS to the iPhone. Um, All right, okay. Um, writing at Daring Fireball, John Gruber says, I can't say for certain, alas, but after spending the last few months poking around the trees inhabited by little birdies, I have good news for fans of coercive government regulation. Uh, Apple's hand was effectively forced, but by China, not the EU. Um Gruber points to a new law oh, in go. China which will require 5G devices to support RCS in order to receive certification. So um, he's saying it's down to China, uh, not the EU. There we are. Whatever the reason, to be honest, I think that's a good thing and Apple probably should have caved in on that some time ago. Yes. That was That was a bit sort of... It's our ball and you can't have it. Um, <laughs> Apple have shared a Super Bowl halftime show behind the scenes video um, after their Super Bowl halftime show. Um, and this behind the scenes video was shot entirely on the iPhone 15 Pro, uh, much like their, um, their recent event. Um, which is, uh, you know, basically good for them. I'm sure they used all sorts of rigs and lighting and all the rest to do so, but uh, there we go. Why should they not? Apparently, it says here, Apple says this video was shot using 40 over 40 iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max devices placed throughout the show itself and rehearsals and included being strapped to the performers. So, there we go. 
it is amazing though isn't it that we could it i mean we can now make con we can all make content that is professional really i mean maybe not professional in the way it's made but of professional quality oh. it's, it's just remarkable just from your phone you have in your pocket it's uh, so how things have changed how things have changed so if you're interested in that there's uh nine to five mac uh have the article on it with obviously a link to the shot on iphone usher apple music super bowl um yeah i'll watch that later so that's all all very interesting and why would they not do so you know if they want to show off their yeah. prowess um Apparently, um, according to Apple Insider, Apple Podcasts have a bug currently which prevents listeners from enjoying new episodes. Um, not sure when this one was posted. Um, it will neither display the latest episode nor let the app automatically download it. Um, oh, dear, that's not so good. A number of users are finding that episodes of podcasts that were released on Friday were not populating the app properly. Um, the latest episode no longer appears in Up Next and doesn't get downloaded to the iPhone or iPad either. Um, looking at episodes for uh, a show can display the previous episodes but not the latest and affected users uh, even after refreshing the screen. Um, the app does have the capacity of playing a not displayed episode, but only if you find it by searching with the episode title, um, which requires you to find out the name of the episode. Seems a little weird. Surely you can just search for, um, you know, the title of the podcast and then look for the latest episode. But uh, I'm not. I don't use Apple Podcasts very much. So no, no, nor do I. I'm an overcast it says user. They reckon. That they reckon that it's probably an Apple server issue rather than a, I would a think so. with Apple Podcasts itself. I would say so because if it suddenly occurred, you know, started on Friday, it's not like there's a new version of Apple Podcasts being issued or anything. So, um, no doubt that will get uh, fixed. But uh, it's a bit annoying if you use Apple Podcasts and your podcasts are not showing up when you expect them to. Uh I've just noticed that underneath that article on the Apple Insider, there's an article which says, so far, the early return rate on Apple Vision Pro is pretty pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about having op opposite stories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, as I say, I think the return rate is probably... You're going to hear a lot more people talking about the returns rate than people saying, I love it and I'm keeping it. Uh, of course, yeah. Because people don't do that. People don't say, I loved it, so I kept it. They just keep it. And <laughs> just keep it, yeah, <laughs> unless they're asked about it specifically. We tend to say it's things when we don't like things. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true, indeed, exactly. So um, Apple's longest-serving designer is to retire, um, and apparently cost-cutting efforts are causing unrest inside the design team. This is on 9 to 5 Mac. Um Bart Andre is retiring. Andre joined Apple in 92 with Johnny Ive and his departure marks the near complete turnover of Ive's former design team. Um, because basically all of the Johnny Ive, a lot of, uh, well, gradually a large number of the Johnny Ive crew have bailed out one way or another. Some of them to go and work with him over at his uh, Love From team. 
others to go and do their own thing. Um, yeah. Is this really a big thing? I don't think this is a big thing, Nick, really. No, I don't think it's a big thing. And I also don't, don't believe that it's a cost-cutting exercise. No. Um, because, no, no, I, I think mean, that's I think that's something sake, else. People make so much money. I can't believe that they say, "Oh, we can't possibly afford this person." No, I don't. I don't, uh, I don't know what the cost cutting thing is. That's probably somewhere else. But um, I mean, ninety-two—that's thirty years, thirty plus years. That's yeah, a long time. Maybe he just wants to change. Well, he's or maybe retiring. he just wants to retire. I mean, who knows? <laughs> you know, I'm sure he's not short of pennies, is he? He's the top, yeah. you know, a senior designer in, in Apple. I'm sure he's not short of a few quid. Maybe no. he just wants to enjoy his retirement. Um, and why would you not? Um, you know, various people have left. And I don't think it's a bad thing, and I don't think it's a there's anything particularly strange about it, to be honest. I mean... No, of course not. Many of those people have been there a long time. The, a lot of the ones all com- who... All companies have all companies have turnover. Of, of course they do. Another. I think the big thing is, um, oh, well, there was Johnny Ive and his crew, and then Johnny left, and then over the last few years, you know, some of his other have people gone. have gone, and some of them have gone over to work with him, but they were his crew. They were... a you know, a unit. That's kind of how these things work. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it's like with. I don't know what it's like in other companies. But the older you grow, <laughs> in all honesty, you think uh, the the next big thing comes along, and you think, "Oh, here we go again." Yeah. <laughs> so it might be just that it had enough of of Apple corporate, and it was time to move on. There's so many possible reasons for him leaving. That it, as you say, it it's of almost no significance at all. No, I don't think it's of any significance at all. I'm sure they're recruiting perfectly. Good, you know, it's like anything. You know, a, a lot of those people have been there for thirty years plus. Yeah, that's um, quite a long time working for one company. I mean, I did twenty years where I was working, and you know, that's a long time. Um. For some people, 30 years is their whole working life, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, no, I don't, think, I don't think we should re- read any more into it other than he decided to move on. And maybe there is some unrest inside the design team, but, you know, that happens in businesses. So. Well, it says here, cost, the thing about cost-cutting measures is the sort of throwaway line at the end here, Nick. Cost-cutting measures oh, have right. added to unrest. Under Ive, the team embarked on exploratory podcasts projects that didn't necessarily have an immediate payoff. Some of this has been reined in. Um, well, really? <laughs> mm. Yes, well, maybe. That yes, may next. Or may. <laughs> next. Yeah. Um, the only bit in that is, yeah, somebody who's done 30 years at Apple has decided they're going to take their money and go sit pina colada on an island Um, (laughs) absolutely peloton will continue to sport the apple which uh, watch gym kit feature following its (laughs) user base uproar um uh, gym kit if uh you know for those who care or remember is the ability for uh, your apple watch to connect directly to various exercise machines. Um, yeah. 
in order to track extra, you know, info um, that the machine can gather, that the watch can't gather on its own. Um, and Peloton said that they were going to drop support for Apple's gym kit in favour of their own um, standalone app. And after a uh, about a week, I think, after announcing that, um, Peloton has backtracked on the decision. We heard you loud and clear. Based on feedback, we'll continue to support this integration. Basically, I suspect because Peloton, Peloton users were not impressed. <laughs> it doesn't um, sound like it, does it? No. Oi, how dare you? I shall can I suspect there's probably quite a lot of I shall cease my subscription and buy a bike that still supports Apple. Um there yes. we are. Yeah. Um There we are. So uh you know, users user power does actually make a difference. Um and then um we have Mark Zuckerberg dishes on Apple fanboys and how his Apple Vision Pro review compares to Steve Ballman's iPhone reaction. Uh, this, of course, because unsurprisingly, Mr. Zuckerberg um, shared a three-minute video on Instagram in which he reviewed the Apple Vision Pro and concluded that the $500 MetaQuest 3 is a better value but also a better product. Um, and uh, in a new interview, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg explained his reasoning and posted um, some of his thoughts on Apple fanboys, uh, basically because uh, I won't go into it, but um, he was, you know, basically dissing the Vision Pro. And quite a lot of people said he should be careful this doesn't become the Steve Ballmer laughing at the iPhone moment where... Um, oh, that's a fair point. Yeah, no, I don't, don't. I don't think it will be. I don't think no, it will. Be. And but, he's entitled to his opinion, but of course he's got a vested interest, hasn't he? Yes, so. <laughs> I think the, the whole thing was. Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? To quote a famous exactly, uh, a quote yeah. a famous courtroom line from British history. Um, and if you don't know what that is, go away and look <laughs> yes. it up. Go away and look it up. Um, so there you go. Um, unsurprisingly, yes, he was fairly dismissive and said that the MetaQuest was not only better value at $500, but an overall better product and has been roundly laughed at for that. And so he's put up some retort. You see, I, I have some sympathies with that because value is a really difficult thing to give to something. Uh, and exactly. it's very subjective. It's very personal. Um what someone will feel is good value, others will not feel is good value. And uh, sometimes if you step back and look at something and another item that's significantly more expensive, the question you always end up asking yourself is, is this £2,000 more better than this is? Exactly. And it, prob and it probably isn't, in all honesty. Um, uh, but... Uh, but is it a better product? Yeah, I think it probably yes, it is from what I've seen. I always it's a much better product. No, I think that's one of those. And as we've said before, is it? You know, and this can vary from anything like um, you know a streaming service or you know a piece of software. Is it 
X amount more per month or in, you know, in investment. Yeah. And we'll all make different choices on that, won't we? Some of us will say, yes, it's absolutely worth every penny, even though, even though I'm committing myself to a, a long-term subscription. This is so useful to me. I'm going to pay it. And other people will say, no, no way. Why would I spend all that money? <laughs> no. Um, you know, I really like the Serif Affinity products. And, you know, they are certainly inexpensive. Um, yeah. You know, even at full price, they are inexpensive compared to... And some, some of the things that I've committed the church to, like our use of Ecamm Live... It's a subscription model. Mm. Um, and you might say, oh, well, why don't you just use um, the, uh, the uh, oh, I forgot what it's called. OBS. OBS. Yeah, why don't you just use OBS? Well, in all honesty, Ecamm Live is so much easier to use than OBS. <laughs> OBS is powerful, but Ecamm Live is very much easier to use. Exactly. And you have to You have to weigh up the cost and whether you're prepared to pay it against the learning curve and not only that if you've got more than one person who's going to use this software how easy it is for them to use as well so you and you make those judgments and eventually you make a decision precisely so you know value as you say is a, a very difficult in the, to in the eye of the beholder as they it, say yes it is it is very much like you know one man's one man's expensive bauble is another man's you know must have yeah, um, that's right. So there we go. Um, this isn't in the show notes, but I thought I'd bring it up. There's a couple of things coming up on um, Apple TV soon. Um, Ooh. There's um, uh, there's a new sci-fi um, series called Constellation uh, coming very soon. Um about an astronaut who returns from uh, some kind of semi-catastrophic event um, on a space station and finds everything all a bit weird. That's sounding um, very compelling. Um, Obviously, um, Napoleon is coming, if you're interested in uh, watching that uh, opus. And what is uh, it sort of what's Napoleon like? Is it like dramatized history? Is it or oh, something? Um, so there's there's a new show which is not for me, but it's called The New Look, um, which is about the history oh, so I I believe, of Chanel. Um, uh, Masters of the Air, of course, is currently streaming. That's the uh, Spielberg Hanks led. Um, or directed, you know, directed and produced yeah. by, not not appearing. Um, it's in the same vein or as, um, obviously, Band of Brothers and Pacific. Uh, Band of Brothers yeah. was, of course, iconic and amazing. Um, I think Pacific went down slightly less well. Um, although... I quite like this. I quite like that. I must. Have, I thought it was okay. Yeah, yeah. I I couldn't follow it as much, but you know, it's such a sprawling conflict, the Pacific conflict. It's very oh, difficult yeah. to yeah. portray. Um, Masters of the Air seems to be getting mixed reviews. I have been watching it, um, and my one comment I think about that is 
anything that covers the air war in Europe is very difficult, particularly if it's, you know, historically accurate, is very difficult because the casualty rate of aircrew during that conflict is it's terrible. You know, it's oh, horrific. Yeah. So yeah. if you're trying to tell a story about a bomb group or a fighter group, you know, and let's face it, on either side, I think we're far enough yeah. away from the Second World War now that we can stop taking sides. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the losses of young men were horrific. And mm. from that, from a storytelling point of view, that makes it very difficult because how can you build it? You know, if you're telling true yes, stories. How can you, be, how how can you, you build you, characters if they get killed off on the next flight? <laughs> yeah, yeah like how can you yeah. build much around a character? I mean, these people appear, you know very little about them. They're, you know, their crewmates often knew yeah. very little around them. And sometimes... They flew one flight, two flights, four flights, whatever, and then they're gone, you know. Um, So I can understand from a dramatic storytelling point of view why that makes it a much more difficult thing to tell a story about. Um, And it's very a little more difficult to feel directly connected to some of the characters because they come and go. Um, I think it's very good. Series, and I think it's, um, I think it's actually very good at showing you the terrible losses. Um, obviously, it features, you know, it's the B seventeen daylight bombing crews yeah. that it focuses on. Yeah. But I've watched films and documentaries about, you know, the RAF nighttime bombing crews. It's the same story. Of know. course, it is. It's it's yeah. a lot of young men in fairly frail flying things having to fly yes. Rick- level and I think Rick I think rickety is a good good rickety yes rickety 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 devices yeah um you know flying relatively slowly flat and straight and then having other people shoot things at them um fish yeah, in a barrel fish in a barrel kind of comes to mind um and uh, one thing I will say the CGI if you've not watched it, the CGI in that is amazing. It is. Um, yeah, I think we're get. I think I'm getting to a point where I might resubscribe just for a, a little while to catch up on some of the series that I haven't watched yet. There are some very so, good I, things on there at the moment. I haven't and... watched. I haven't watched the latest of um, uh, Slow Horses or. Um, yeah, there's quite a few things been on which I've there not. There are I've a few seen, things so. coming on. So, um, but that. Uh, coming up, yeah, is um, cons- uh, what did I say what's called um, constellation. constellation is coming yeah. up, and there's another one coming later in the year called Dark Matter, um, which they haven't said a huge amount about. Other, it, it sounds in some way, in some ways, a sort of quantum leap esque thing, but oh, I think right, it's okay. I think it's rather darker than that. It's about somebody who finds themselves in sort of an alternate reality and has to try and make their way home. Um, and I don't know much that more sounds about a, that. That sounds a little bit like I remember seeing a sci-fi film many years ago about a man who um, finds himself in like a, 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 a an opposite universe, a reverse 
universe where everything's the other other way around, as it were, including writing and all sorts of stuff. It was an interesting concept. It wasn't a particularly good film. <laughs> <laughs> interesting concept, not necessarily good. An interesting concept, yeah. Yeah. Um, Napoleon is a... Um, oh, who's it by? I can't remember now. Um, but it's a, it's a sort of three-hour epic about... Oh, it's an epic. Okay. It's so. a, you okay. Know, well, it's, I think I might be interested in watching that. Yes, I, I think I'm going to be... Um, and the other one, of course, is Killer, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, if you're into right. a very long um, drama. So there we are. Thought I'd bring those up. Um, so there you go. All right, shall we? We'll press on, shall we? So, so um, do, you want to, do, you want, do you want to do technology and science or, or shall I tell my story no, let's, about let's, the car? Um, let's, let's, um, let's talk about your car first, shall we? Okay. Yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah, do tell us the story of your car then, Nick. Right. Well, um, I, I'm not sure whether I've mentioned it before, but I have had problems with charging this car. And at first I thought it was this car that was the problem. Um, I think it was just, in the end, I think it was just a combination of th- that things happened together, you know, how things happen. Mm. And you draw a conclusion that isn't correct. Um at, the, at its first year service, I took it in and they replaced the... I, I'd said I was having issues with it. Sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. Um, and it would keep tripping the the uh, the breaker in the consumer unit. And um, so they replaced the charging unit. They told me there was a problem with the charging unit. I'm not sure there was. I think they just did it to get rid of me, <laughs> basically. Um, anyway, they replaced the charging unit on the car. The, the problem didn't exactly go away. It sort of was okay for a little while, and then it went wrong again, and it just kept doing it. And since I've been on Octopus Intelligent Go, where um, where Octopus actually control my car charging uh, remotely, it, it, it just tends to – it works for about two minutes and then just cuts out. And um, it's so annoying because when you're trying to get the car charged, I've ended up having to go to a rapid charger, which costs me a lot more money. Yes. Um so I didn't know the problem was I didn't know whether it was the car or the charger or something wrong with my electrics. And in the end, so I didn't know who to get in to look at it. So in the end, I decided to go to the people who fitted my solar. Who they did, they didn't fit the um, charger, but they do fit chargers. So they they've got that experience. So I called them out, and okay, they charged me three hundred and fifty quid for it, which was. Which was quite a lot. Quite a lot. But, yes. yes, but at least they found out what the problem was. And when he actually came, he said, "Is it is it the RCD that's going?" And I said, "No, no, the RCD isn't. It's just the breaker on the um, consumer on the car unit. charger. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, just just the car charger. Oh, breaker right. The, yeah, going. the breaker on the car charger. Yeah. Yeah. So he took it off, and he said, "Oh." I think I, I think I can see straight away what the problem is. I said, "What's that?" He said, uh, "Well, look at the end of this wire, and it was all burned." The end <laughs> oh, of the wire. Dear. He said, "I think what's happened is the people who fitted this consumer unit put a thirty-two amp breaker, and when your car comes on, it pulls pretty much that. And I think probably you got a surge or something, and it just basically burnt out the wire a bit." And uh, also, you know, melted the top of the breaker a little bit. Um, so he he got a forty amp fuse and put it in. He cleaned the wire, cut cut the burnt bit off the end, and 
rewired it back in again. Um, and it seems to be working. Hurrah! Hurrah! So, so, uh, so that 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 was that was the car uh, issue, which seems to be solved now, um, which is good because on intelligent octopus go, it only cost me seven and a half p a kilowatt. Wow, a kilowatt hour, very which good. is very cheap. Yeah, so uh, so I'm glad I, I, I've got that sorted. I did have another issue with the car. Um, I took it in for its. I tried to book it in for its service. And the lady on the phone said, it's 370 quid. And I said, how much? <laughs> and she said, it's 370 quid. And I said, are you sure? You do know it's an electric car? And she said, yes. So I said, don't book it in. Just, just don't book it. I'm not paying that amount of I'm money. That That's ridiculous. So anyway, I went onto their website because it's a, it's a Citroen national dealer. You know, it's Stellantis. Mm. And, um, and they, uh, they said, oh, no, it's 250 quid, not 370 quid. So she just got that wrong. And I thought, well, if I'd rung up and I was, you know, I just took people at their word, I would have thought that was the price. Mm. So, so anyway, the day came around. Uh, I had a nice little chat to a, a, a lady who was at the, uh, at the showroom. And she said, if you like, I'll get you a taxi home. Because I only live two miles from the, show, from the showroom. Right. And I said, uh, oh, so that would be very nice. Thank you. And while we were waiting for the taxi, I said, 250 quid is still quite a lot for an electric car because there's very little to check. (laughs) So anyway, anyway, I came home. I got a nice Uber to bring me home. And uh, after about an hour, I got a text message from her saying she'd spoken to her engineer and he agreed that that wasn't the right price. It was actually £151. (laughs) That's a bit bit more like it. It's a good job. a good job I pushed back against the traces, otherwise it would have cost me an extra 200 quid. Which is yeah. crazy, isn't it? Crazy. Dear, oh dear. And the only other thing I've had had nothing to do with my car. Uh, last weekend, uh, you know, after when you said uh, we won't have a show, I've actually been away at a music weekend, which was great fun. And um, the next day I went down to church. We were doing some recording for, uh, for Lent, and uh, I was bending down. You know what's going here? I was bending down, messing with cables, and I stood up and my back went. Oh. <laughs> so it's still not 100%. So my back's aching a little bit sitting up in this chair now, but it's only a tiny bit now in comparison to what it was. I sympathize. So that's, that's my, my news for the last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. So we'll uh, let's press on. We've got, because um, we'll just whiz through these, I think, because we're. Time's ticking. Um, Arc Search. This is on the App Store. I think Donnie sent this one in. Um, this comes from um, fast and ad-free web browsing, um, which apparently is an AI-enabled mobile browsing experience uh, with auto-up keyboard to start searching in fewer tabs. Always on ad tracker and banner blocking. Um, I think Donnie said he's exper- uh, experimented with it. Uh, browse for me to summarize many web pages at once and find answers faster. Auto archive inactive tabs to keep things tidy. Reader mode to minimize distractions. Um, and it comes from. Uh, the your friends at the browser company of New York, I believe. So, um, 
So this only works on the iPhone. I well, believe. if you if you scroll further down, it then says, um, "Learn more about the browser company at thebrowser.company. Um, and it's also um, I just thought I thought a thing about download for your desktop, which is not um, that says only on iPhone. Um, yes, download for your desktop at arc.net. That's A R C. Okay. So right. um, there is you, a version. There is a version for your um, for your desktop if you would like to try it at arc.net. But the um, Arc search for iOS is only on iPhone, apparently. Um, there you go. If you're interested in experimenting with an AI-enhanced browsing experience, might be worth a play. I don't know. Donnie sensed that one. Um, a former Apple executive introduced their new AI-powered glasses. Um, this is from Fox, so um, as you can imagine, it doesn't tell you a great deal. Um, Brilliant Labs on Thursday announced its new product, Frame, a pair of lightweight AR glasses promising to give the wearer AI superpowers through its always online voice assistant, Ooh. Noah. Um, founded by Bobak Tavangar, a former program leader, Apple, um, and backed by Niantic CEO John Hank, or Hanky possibly, whose company built the augmented reality platform powering Pokemon Go. Um, frame is designed to be worn as a pair of glasses with AI capabilities out of the box, apparently. There's a picture of them here. They look a bit Harry Potter-ish, but... Um... They do a little bit, don't they? But they do look like glasses, more importantly. This is true. Um, uh, the concept video describes numerous features of the glasses, including mealtime visual analysis of what you're looking at, i.e. Uh, detecting what food you're eating, just in case you don't remember what you ordered, I suppose. This looks like chicken madras. <laughs> Did you, are you sure you ordered southern fried chicken and fries? Um Able to translate signs in different languages, uh, search the web based on visual and voice prompts, and project images to a screen which sits right on the user's face. Um, apparently, they have integrated several AI models to power its features, including conversational web search powered by Perplexity AI, Stability AI's text-to-image model, Stable Diffusion, GPTP, uh, GPT-4 and speech recognition by Whisper. Um, uh, and that's really about all it tells you about it. Um, so I've no idea. There's no sort of talk about um, designed to fit most people and weigh around 40 grams. Um, can be ordered with prescription lenses. Um, retailing for three hundred and forty-nine dollars, pre-orders are available, and shipping should begin in April. Um, there you go. Um, mm. This is the second AR device by Brilliant Labs, fo following Monocle, which was a single-lens AR device. 
popular for being open source. But it doesn't tell you much more than that, I'm afraid. But uh, they definitely do look like a pair of glasses. But um, there's no mention of how the sort of uh, screen part is supposed to work. Um, no. No. Um, there we go. So not a lot uh, of info in that other than they exist, apparently. Still interesting to know that people are still, you know, pushing ahead, um, you know, with such things. Um, the giant freaking robot um, have a piece which I've put in here. This could really probably go in just a snippet, but um, the world's smallest humanoid robot created by high schoolers in Hong Kong. Uh, world record in robotics. Um, the world's smallest humanoid robot, which stands a mere 5.5 inches tall. Uh, packs a powerful punch in terms of functionality and potential applications. Um, I'm not going to attempt to uh, name the uh, team because I will mangle them horribly and offend anybody who... Uh, actually can speak Chinese <laughs> because I will absolutely ghastly massacre them. But uh, the team of four students secured its place in history by clinching the Guinness World Record for the smallest humanoid robot. The robot must be able to articulate shoulders, elbows, knees and hips and demonstrate bipedal movement. Uh, this creation goes beyond mere locomotion and can perform a myriad of tasks, including dancing, practicing kung fu, and playing soccer. Um, it doesn't have to be able to articulate head, shoulders, knees, and toes, does it? No, it doesn't, apparently. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Oh. <laughs> uh, not at the moment. But there we are. The world's smallest robot is programmable via mobile application. Of course it is. Um, offering users a friendly interface to control its movements and behavior the students have pledged to make the design and programming open source to foster collaboration and innovation um, what a what a cool school they must be going to indeed Do something like that That's, uh, um, yeah. one Brilliant. of the most striking aspects of creating the world's smallest robot is its emphasis on accessibility and education the students envisage a future where this tiny robot serves as a valuable educational tool, particularly in underserved communities. By making the design and programming code open source, they aim to democratise access to technology uh, and inspire a next generation of innovators. So, very good for them. Um, and then, apparently, it can it can do kung. Apparently, it can do kung fu. I've just been watching the video. Yeah. <laughs> So, That's clever. It's clever. Good for them. Very well done. Yeah. Um, it says, with groundbreaking achievement, students of the diocesan boys' school have not only etched their names in history, but have paved the way for a future where their extraordinary becomes the norm. Um, there we are. No doubt. No doubt everyone will now be trying to make even smaller robots. <laughs> well, of course they will. Of course they will. But, yeah. you know, good for them. Very well done. Indeed. Amazing. Um, very well done. I thought that was an interesting little piece. And yes, as uh, yeah. Nick has just pointed out, there's a little video there. Um, and then apparently 
Legacy IT infrastructure accounts for more than a third of enterprise power consumption, creating a sustainability nightmare for IT leaders. don't think there's much more to say about that. I don't need to really dig into that story. Um, legacy IT infrastructure creates a serious drain on budgets due to its power consumption. Um, because obviously... Newer... Yeah, that's right. I mean, you... I mean, the fact is with legacy stuff is that you've probably got one computer running one thing and, yeah, it's going to use a lot more power than having a part of a server doing whatever it is you need to do. Well, there's that and, of so, course, the yeah, fact inevi that... Inevitably, it's going to cost you more and cost and more to maintain it. and All yeah. the rest. And plus, of course, you know, we all know that older older chips use much more power. To get, more power, yeah. To true. get much less computing uh, ability so there we go if you're running stuff on sort of early pentiums um, and of course all sorts of you know and that sounds to those of us in the sort of IT or whatever to think that that sounds ludicrous but it's not because all yeah. sorts if of... you've got something if you've got something that works part part of the problem and so this is from personal experience uh um working for the company that i used to work for um them them their uh finance system was based originally based upon um a cobol program exactly. and as far as I, when i left they were when i left they were still using it so i'm sure they were basically they plug so much stuff into it that, that to, to to unpick it was a financial nightmare yeah i would i would have thought so. that the only way around that sensibly or Maybe not. I don't know how difficult it would be. But um, from a sort of, you know, power per watt feature would be to actually virtualize it and run <laughs> run it on a much more modern system as a virtual COBOL machine. Um, yeah, as I say, if, if it had been just the software itself, that would have been fine, I think. But it, it was it's all the dependencies on other software. Exactly. Other, other functions. Other, other things that, elsewhere. That's the biggie. And it just, you know, and this is this is the thing. People say, oh, well, why? But, you know, things like radio telescopes, which, you know, or, or cat scanners or, or pet scanners, all these kind of things which are built around something and they cost millions upon millions and they're they're working but they're running on really old computer hardware and you can't just yeah. rip it out and stick a nice new sort of atom powered nuc in there because that's not how it works <laughs> yeah and what what you tend to find out as well is that if you've had a system a long time no one no one knows all the stuff that's plugged into it no <laughs> That's it. So that's the problem. It's not. It's not that you've. Uh, it's not. It's not that you can't find the obvious ones. It's just that there's probably some system sitting somewhere doing something fairly inane that you've completely forgotten about. Yeah, <laughs> and that is absolutely key to everything else working. Absolutely <laughs> essential. Yeah. Exactly. It's the you know the spigot that greases the doodah that presses the. <laughs> wiggler that makes the wheels go round or whatever it is That's uh, right. there we go and we'll quickly uh jump onto the last few bits which is the security and privacy uh the gold digger trojan targets ios users to steal fake facial recognition data and bank accounts 
that's a bit hyperbolic because it's not really true. Um, the gold. <laughs> so what you're saying is it's a complete lie. <laughs> uh, well, yes and no. Um, apparently, the gold digger Trojan can steal sensitive data. Um, first created for Android, but has now been successfully ported to attack iPhone and iPad users. Uh, potentially the first Trojan for iOS and. It collects facial recognition data, ID, and even SMS. Um, at first, the Trojan was distributed through Apple's test flight, which lets developers release beta versions of uh, apps. After Apple removed it from test flight, the hackers adopted a more sophisticated approach uh, based on mobile device management profiles. Um, oh, I've heard before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, beware if you get something that asks you to install a profile unless it's something you trust, like a quality VPN. Be very cautious. Um, profiles allow companies to customise and control aspects of the system according to their needs. What hackers do is convince users to install the malicious profile in order to download an app from outside the App Store, and then they can collect all the data they wish. Um Currently, gold it's the same digger. thing over and over. Same thing oh, over yeah. and over again. Yeah, don't yeah. don't don't download dodgy stuff. <laughs> um, according to the report, gold digger mainly targets people in Vietnam and Thailand, um, and there is nothing to stop it being used to attack people elsewhere. Um, yeah, uh, it's the, the same, thing is same old, really. Same old, same old. It doesn't actually store, store face ID, but what it does do is, you know, steal face. Uh, it can it can take stuff from your camera and whatnot and use that to construct 3D models and so on, which can be used elsewhere. So it's very nasty, but it's not that easy to get, obviously. Apparently, um, what I read elsewhere is that um, it was hidden inside um, fake banking apps, of which apparently in uh, Vietnam uh, there are, you know, many, many, many. So um, they were distributing fake banking and financial apps. Um, here we are. Um, and to follow that, 9 to 5 Max, hey, here, here's how to protect yourself against golden pickaxe, um, which basically says um, there are simple ways to protect against this Trojan, How what you need to know. Um, here we go. When installed on iPhone, the malware collector uses biometric information from photos, SMS, text messages. It can intercept web activity and more. Uh, in some cases, victims are then contacted by malicious parties posing as banks, asking for information like pictures of their ID card. Um, here we go. Yes, for now, Gold Pickaxe iPhone Trojan has been targeting Vietnam and Thailand by mimicking over 50 apps from financial institutions. Um, how to protect. Don't install an iPhone, uh, iPhone app through Apple's test flight unless you trust the developer and can verify that it is legitimate. Don't install uh, MDM profile unless you trust the source can verify it's uh, legitimate. 
don't share yeah, personal sensitive information uh, through phone calls, video calls, etc. If you have concerns about a financial account, log in directly to the bank's website. Uh, keep your phone updated um, and stay tuned to 9 to 5 Mac for uh, more info. So, um, I mean, in all honesty, the gold digger Trojan story is a little bit disingenuous because it said it's collecting face facial recognition idea and they've got AI-based tools to create deep fakes. My bank doesn't know what I look like. No. <laughs> so what does it matter that they can create my avatar or my... Or what I look like. It makes no difference. They, the more the important stuff they're stealing is your personal data, <laughs> as as ever. Not of course. Not what you look like. <laughs> but um, I guess the thing is, it can it could do such a thing. But um, yeah, I'm sure yes. all they're really after is people's, but you know, data and bank account information. That's Hence. right. It's much easier to in, in, impersonate you if, if they don't if if there's no seeing going on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Apparently, there's a couple here which are much more uh, related to uh, directly, I guess. Fake LastPass app snuck onto uh, the App Store past Apple's review team, which is a bit oh, naughty. Um, yes, that's not good. This is from uh, about a week and a half ago. Popular password management app LastPass warned customers about a fraudulent app that uses a similar name and icon to attempt to trick LastPass customers into using the fake app instead of their real app. Um, going by the name LastPass Password Manager, the app was somehow approved by Apple's App Store review team. Um, it appears to clearly that's mimic the LastPass that's app. Not good. No, um, that's not good. Um, the app was pulled on uh, February the 8th. Um, so obviously it was detected, but it did get through. So um, somebody so I slapped wrists for somebody. Um, yes. And also Apple pulled a pirated movies and TV shows app, which was disguised as a vision testing tool. Um, apparently <laughs> the app was dedicated to streaming pirated movies and TV shows from the App Store. It was called Kimmy and disguised itself as an app to test your eyesight. Um, in reality, it offered unfettered access to some of the most popular TV shows and movies. Um, comparing... It's amazing what some people will try, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, the app was live on the App Store Tuesday morning, but seems to have been pulled following a report from The Verge. Um, so, Jolly good. Go. Um Kimmy moved its way up the App Store chart, sitting alongside the likes of YouTube, CBS Sports and Google. Uh, the app appears to have peaked at number 12, um, and the App Store description claimed it was a great way to test your vision and said you'd need an uncanny eye to spot the difference. Um, but obviously, uh, as soon as you downloaded onto your iPhone or iPad, you'd have instant access to a catalogue of pirated movies and shows. Um, so there you go. That got through somehow again. Um, not necessarily great uh, look for Apple when they're trying to fend off the possibility of alternative app stores by saying stick with the app store. It's the safest place to get your <laughs> stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Slightly black eye there. Um, and finally, we've got the uh, for the worth of chirp. Um, 
10 hidden um, messages features in iOS 17, um, which is, you know, some of those hints and tips, which are not really hidden, but um, aren't always as clear as they might be. Yeah, sometimes we need reminding about... Exactly, like uh, what's yeah. lot we've got here, you know, how to customise your message menu, which we've talked about before, faster access to the photo library, quicker replies, uh, make live stickers, um, and so on. Anyway, there you go. If you're interested in refreshing yourself on some of the features of uh, messages in um, iOS 17, there's a short piece on Mac rumours about that. And I think that'll do us for this week, Nick. I think we're sounds uh, like it. Sounds like we're there. So, um, other than uh, to remind you all, I think before we wrap up, don't forget about uh, the Reverend. Canon Andrew Dotchin's appeal for old but oh, working yes. smartphones and internet capable tablets for the mission to seafarers. Um, if you are uh, in the UK, uh, look in the show notes and there are links to contact Andrew directly. Or if you're overseas, uh, you can contact either your nearest uh, mission to seafarers centre at uh, large ports all over the world or you can of course uh, just make a donation directly or indirectly via the uh, website for Mission to Seafarers so um, uh, a very worthy um, you know, thing, listen to the uh, Wizard of Woke episode to hear Andrew describe what that's all about but basically sailors far far from home often months away from their family, sometimes are in need of smart devices. And uh, he's collecting any old but workable smartphones and internet-capable internet tablets to uh, share with such seafarers uh, in his parish. And uh, as he said, other, you know, other centres for the Mission to Seafarers will also probably snatch off your hand if you... Uh, offer them such a device so there you go um and that will wrap it up i think don't you nick um yeah i think so um well the wrap up now has basically become don't forget the slack room join us in the slack room <laughs> it has that's pretty much all the other there's all fallen by the wayside i mean you know i'm on mastodon i'm on x twitter if you, but I don't go on there anything like I used to. I used to be on there reading and replying and whatnot. These days, I yeah, I get I get more than enough notifications from what I'm already subscribed to without <laughs> actually adding more to it. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I I barely look at it once a day these days. I tend to look at it first thing in the morning and see if there's anything very interesting. But to be honest, it's become very much uh, you know corporations and organizations and politicians and uh that's far less interesting than it used to be but if you wish mm. to reach out to me you can find me on there as at serenak and that's s-e-r-e-n-a-k but if you want to engage with nick and myself and all the rest of us in the slack room join the slack join the slack link in the show notes um and i guess that'll do 
that will do. So here we are, Nick. It's all over. <laughs> here we are. Done again for another week. Done again until hopefully next time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll call it a day then. So, right, yeah. Have a good week, everybody. Yep. Have a good week, and hopefully we'll be back next week. Bye, all. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even, if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh... Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Looking for a show that talks about Apple and Apple products? Then Geekiest Show Ever is for you. What about Amazon? Google. Geekiest Show Ever is for you. Mesh networks, distance learning, all kinds of technology, interviews. Yes, Geekiest Show Ever covers that too. I'm Elisa Paselli. And I'm Melissa Davis. Listen to the Geekiest Show Ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network in your favorite podcast player. Feedback, show ideas, and reviews, always welcome. Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening. So I'm not sure about this whole DMA thing at all. Um, not. And not... we've got the uh, we've got the British one as well to come at some point, haven't we? Oh God, yeah, the bloody oh, that's secret, even worse. whatever it is, act. Yeah. yeah, the Investigatory <laughs> Powers Act. Yeah, That's which sounds really... terrifying to me. That sounds, that, sounds, that sounds really, really... Um, that sounds really sort of dystopian. Um, yes, we do have to be really careful that we don't step from freedom into regulating ourselves so that we end up being not free at all. Indeed. Um, I'm watching... Uh, it's, um... it's, it's a perilous... It's a peril. It's like walking along a ridge. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to drop off one side or the other. Or the other, yeah, you know, to utter chaos, to from utter chaos on one side to, you know, I watched um, I watched a serial on, I think it was on Netflix. It might have been Amazon. It doesn't matter. A thing called Secret City. It's an Australian show. Oh right, no, I've not come across that. Um, 
well, I I don't know why I'd never watched The Night Agent. I think maybe I'd initially mixed it up with something else and I didn't watch it. So right. uh, somebody said, oh, the new season of Night Agent is on. And so I thought, all right. And I, I looked at the reviews of it and, and, and I thought, well, oh, it's not what I thought it was. So I went back and I watched The Night Agent, which is about, well, I suppose you've seen it. You've probably seen it, haven't you, The Night Agent? I haven't. Oh. Okay. Um, it's about this guy who works in the White House, and his only job really is to sit in a room and wait for this phone to ring. And if it does, it will be a night agent, and they have to give him the code words, and then he summons help, right? And then the night agents are, like, super secret. Right. Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, what happens is he gets a phone call from this woman because her aunt and uncle have been attacked and they take it from there and of course it all becomes a deep state conspiracy with all sorts of oh right goings on and it's very gripping and very interest very good very very good no, that does sound good what's that on uh, uh night agent that's netflix i think netflix oh, okay i'll look out for that i think that it's got like my kind of thing yeah it's very and it's it's very good it is very good it's not like it's not so deeply paranoid that you're like oh god give over but there's a lot of yes naughty you know under the table shenanigans going on and as a having watched that both series of that i spotted a series called secret city which is an australian show in a similar sort of vein, it says, in, you know, a veteran muckraker uh, starts to dig up stuff and, you know, um, follows... Cover cons- yeah, conspiracies follows and things. Deep yeah. conspiracy. Um, and uh, it's, it's similar, but it's Australian. And um, she's a journalist and her ex-husband works at the... Uh, what's it called? Uh, Australian Signals Directorate, which is like GCHQ, and yeah. Um, yeah. has ties to ASIOS, which is Australian Secret Intelligent Organisation. Anyway, you know, sort of MI5 yeah. type group. And then, yeah, there's all sorts of, again, dirty dealings going on, and various people sort of come into the frame as possibly the spider at the middle of the web. and um, Right. It's it, it's again very good, very very good. Um, oh right, I and can't look happens, out for those. What happens in that one is what made me think of that is the fact that um, at one point this woman who's the Attorney General of Australia forces through this legislation called the Safer Australia Act, which basically gives her the power to censor anything and everything that is considered to be, um, you know, uh, injurious to state security or national security. And it's forced through through various means. But, uh, you know, obviously what it means is anybody who says or does or is involved with anything they consider to be um, uh, anti-state, national security can be locked up with like no trial or anything it's terribly dystopian um <laughs> it sounds a bit like china 
yeah, but it's it's it, you yeah. know it's put through and then it's all. But it's that's two series lot, uh, two series, two seasons. Um, oh right, okay. I think yeah, two seasons, and uh, both that and the Night Agent are worth watching. They're both very worth similar. So lots of deep state shenanigans going on and plotting. Um, well, I've been I've been busy doing stuff on my Mac that. that you know, using it as a tool for the last couple of weeks, I've I've, um, I've had to produce a a map. Well, I wanted to produce a map of our circuit. This is the church's circuit. Mm. So the sorry, the circuit's the next le- the next level up from each church. Yeah. Each church belongs to a circuit, and we want to try and get an overview of where where we stand. So um, Google Maps is really good for this kind of thing. All I did was go into Google Maps and type Methodist churches, and they all popped up. <laughs> they all pop up with a little cross on them to show where they all are on the map. And I thought, wow, that's really useful. Um, so what I've done is I've taken a snapshot of that, and I've then I've put just a little green, a, a little yellow box on it next to each one, with their the membership of the church and the average attending congregation at each church, so that we've got a good overview of those. So that that was one thing I worked on. That didn't take me that long, actually. And I've also been I had I've had this big box of paperwork that I've just it's built up over time. You know how it does. You get oh, stuff in yeah, the post, yeah. and you think, oh, I don't want to throw that away. So I, I a while ago I bought myself a scan snap, you know, a scanner, a, a quite an expensive one, one of these that you you just feed the paper in and it sucks it through and scans both sides of the paper. And uh, so I've been doing that all week. I've got, I've got these big piles of paper I need to shred now, but I've got it all digitised, so it's uh, it's making a bit yet again making a bit more room in my home for other stuff. Oh, and the other thing I did, um, I needed to edit edit some um, video. I told you we did some videos for for Lent. Yes. Um, well, someone he, he got he's got quite a nice camera, and he just recorded it onto SD card for me. Um, but when I came to load it up, it was a little bit a little bit pale, um, and um, what was the other thing? Oh, and the audio wasn't brilliant on it because it was in our church and it sounded a bit echoey. So I thought, well, what am I going to use to edit this? I used iMovie. <laughs> it was the simplest one. I literally click on a button to actually fix the colours, and because I don't want, I didn't want, I didn't want to muck about. And uh, the only other bit of editing I had to do was cut cut the beginning off a couple where you could just hear him say "go," <laughs> and. Um, there was one bit where he made a mistake and he went, oh, and it comes across in the in the video. <laughs> so I've just done a little crossfade there. Um, but, yeah, iMovie, nice and simple. Nothing nice complicated. Simple. Nothing complicated at all. Yeah, both The Night Agent and Secret City are on Netflix, by the way. On Netflix. Okay, thank you. I'll look for those. And uh, also, uh, uh, this isn't really... This is only relevant to your um, to your map thing, but should you wish to publish that um, kind of circuit map, you might wish to take a look at OpenStreetMap, which is similar to... Oh, right. Okay. I have come across that, yes, um, before. Uh, yeah, no, I only want to use it... I want to get it printed up on A1 paper so that when we're yeah, yeah. discussing the future of the circuit, we've got something to look at, look basically. At, yeah, it's for your own internal use, obviously. It's not a problem. But, it um, is, yeah. If you wish to, you know, circulate it amongst multiple churches or whatever, you might want to just do a similar idea with uh, Google uh, OpenStreetMap because obviously you 
you're not breaking any copyright laws if you use that. Yeah, I've just I've just dragged the um, the Google Map that I used into because uh, I just took a screenshot of it. Um, and as you can see, all the all the churches in the circuit are highlighted there. In oh, fact, yeah. it's got one or two that are, they've got the the three in the bottom right hand corner aren't actually in our circuit. But we've got one outlier, that one on the far right near the top. That's Kingsbury. That's that's one of our churches, which is way out from the rest of the churches. So, uh, which is very strange. But, uh, I, I don't know how historically we got Kingsbury <laughs> in our area because it's it's closer to Tamworth than it is to Sutton Goldfield. So yeah. But but there you go. There we are. <laughs> but yeah, good old good old Google Maps came to the rescue. Oh yes.